fireballs streak across the night sky on old earth. Cats and dogs lie down together. The milk has turned sour and a raven in a tiny spacesuit sits outside the window of Studio 5. Tapping the glass and silently cawing while three rogue signal sources converge on the home systems at superluminal speeds. Signs and portents, people. Not good ones either. Could this be the end? The Hutton prognosticator took one look at his mug of tea and let out a strangled whimper. Without another word, he staggered off to his room, drew the curtains, and lay down with a damp flannel over his forehead. He's been in there for hours now. The radio crew have been trying every divinatory technique they could think of, but are drawing blanks. Except for Flossie, who drew a lovely flower with eight petals and a sort of little ball thing that's all broken into bits. <laughs> and no, no one knows what that's about. The door crashes open and the prognosticator stands there all ashen-faced and wild-eyed. He dips his hand into the remains of a McThargoid's meal, rummages around for a moment and raises a finger to the heavens. With barbecue sauce, half-eaten tentacle fries and bits of pickled gherkin dripping from his upraised extremity, he looks at the radio crew as if for the first time and says in a shaky voice, our mics will be live. We knew, we knew, we knew you, you were, were going to say that. Welcome to tonight's show. I'm Wilma Fingerdoo, and I've been reading the cards. Yeah. It's not looking good. Miss Bun, the baker's wife, is reversed, and I'm pretty sure Master Bum, the brewer's son, shouldn't be doing that with Mistress Dose, the daughter's daughter, the doctor's daughter. I'm Mia Harkness, I've been drinking mushroom tea, and I'm a helicopter now. Wee! I'm Hank Air, and I've been inhaling the fumes from Cubicle 3 in the hopes of receiving a vision. Sadly, I just got a burning rash in my hands before my moustache wilted and I passed out for an hour. I'm Norma Snockers, and I'm gazing into my crystal ball. There's one like it in the Albert Hall, but this one is mine. The mists are forming. They're clearing. No, they're forming again. Ah, no, it's just condensation. I see headlines. So many headlines. Cannon goes bang. Two scoops good, three scoops bad. This week's Too Hot, Too Messy update. Fog gets the hump. It's time for Hutton System News. And of course, we look at what everyone else is up to.
First this evening, we have news of a devastating attack on the galaxy's avian cheese supplies. Canon Interstellar, tinfoil hattery specialists and suppliers of the galaxy's longest-lasting cheese, have found themselves at the mercy of an infiltration that has left the poor Gnosis, their mobile home and headquarters, feeling a little bit under the weather. For those that remember their recent galactic history, they will recall the foray of the Gnosis into what was thought to be Stargoid space. Instead of jumping into and across a permit lock region, the Gnosis came under immediate alien attack, with Thargoids instantly attacking any ships that lifted off from the pad. What's more, at the time it appears that Thargoid infiltrators masquerading as maintenance crew managed to set the Gnosis defence systems to Killbot, attacking everyone including intrepid reporter Commander Wallerspoon of the Galnet News Digest. It, may, it appears that they may have missed a sneaky few lines of code hidden deep in the Gnosis core. As this week timed almost to perfection with the discovery of a super secret scary space swirly things labelled as Stargoids, the Gnosis was brung low. Ship systems started sending wideband distress messages, those really annoying wedding barge notifications and lots of I'm going to ball you up to just about anyone that Canada had ever communicated with reports that there was a strange gargling, gnarling, wailing, gurgling noise in the transmissions were initially thought to be the work of Tharg the Mighty's monstrous infiltrators, but actually turned out to be LCU and Del Monte gnashing their teeth in horror at the errors on their screens. Canon, ever ready for an emergency however, took their entire communication system offline, flushed the spam out of the airlock before checking that the science data core, coffee machine and tin foil hat manufacturing gear was safe, and then opening up their backup communication server. At present, all visitors to the Gnosis have been subjected to all manner of intimate probing to determine which of them actually has eight limbs and weird eyes and is wearing some poor unfortunate sap as a skin suit. The Pilots' Federation's long-awaited new flavour of ice cream finally reached outlets earlier today. For those who find vanilla horizons just doesn't cut the mustard, and double chalk chip odyssey is just too heavy on the palate, the vanilla chalk chip is perfect for those that want their dessert a little lighter, but with nuggets of goodness. Such was the demand, especially with the movement of many Team Hotbox and Hot Piss players, over to their new platforms that the Pilots Federation had to create three separate lines, and for those that had expressed their preferences previously for full chalk experience, ban them from trying the new flavour as they already had enough chocolatey goodness in their lives. So, Vanilla Horizons lovers can get a little chalk chip Horizons, double chalk chip commanders can have a little vanilla, but importantly, if you're a greedy guts, you can't have all three. Oh, and if you're eating one of the flavours, you're not allowed to hang out with someone enjoying a different flavour, in case you lick theirs and cause the galaxy to explode. We hope that makes sense, but if it doesn't, if you love Horizons but want funky new stuff, you can get four, but you can get 3.8. If you love Odyssey but want big canyons, you can get 3.8, you're not allowed to have four. If you're salty and just hanging around the, on the forums to troll everyone, you can get stuffed. 
We are now into the seventh week of Too Hot, Too Messy, the Hutton-led initiative to deliver Hutton mugs and Centauri Megagin to every single station in the galaxy. Commanders have been chucking mugs over hedge and back fences all over the galaxy, and I've just passed the 22,500 mark, and I've made deliveries to over 12,000 stations that we didn't know existed at the very start, which is more than half of them. Almost 200 commanders from 68 squadrons are currently taking part, and of course, Hutton are still blazing away at the head of the squadron leaderboard. Romping past 8,000 deliveries yesterday. The winged hussars have firmly established themselves in second place with almost 1,200 muggings, pushing the paladins firmly into third, with the quartet of commanders forming the undead in fourth. Infinite Dreamer and Distant Vets are both single commander squadrons in the top 10. That bloody overachiever, Commander Chicks, is still out in front with almost 1,600 mugs delivered. However, he is being chased down by Nemb, who has passed the 1,300 mark. But Mouse8287 is close behind. And how do we all know all this, I hear you ask? Well, let me tell you. It is tracked by the marvel that is the Hutton Helper and Update Live on the Too Hot Too Messy event page at hot.forthemug.com forward slash hot underscore mess underscore two. At this rate, we'll have delivered a canister of Hutton mugs and Centauri Megagen to every station in the galaxy by August 3309. Have you noticed that it goes up by a month each week as we discover even more stations that no one has ever gone before, boldly, wearing a wig or otherwise? How do I join in the fun, I hear you ask? Well, first, you need to give in to your space FOMO and sign up by downloading the Hutton Helper from hot.forthemug.com forward slash download where your mug and gin deliveries will be automatically counted for you by Antarius Fusion's Magic Counting Hamsters. Biologists who may or may not be associated with Cannon's Detella believe they've had a stunning insight into a key unknown when it comes to Thargoids. The super scary sound making space swirly stargoid appears to have multiplied in recent days. Ships have been shadowing the swirly things and attempting to drop into a big speeding star that's travelling over 8,000 times the speed of light. And those that have managed, mostly by sitting still until it hit them, have found a small group of three stargoids who don't attack, nestle up close to each other and Interestingly, are very protective of an enormous green cloud. They postulated that what we are witnessing here is the mating ritual of the Thargoid race. They actually have three genders, and when they get together and do the traditional mating dance and song, which just so happens to look just like the one they do when emanating a shutdown field there, they spawn. The broody mothers, fathers and others involved in the process are then at pains to prevent commanders getting anywhere near the nascent Thargoid swarms and fiercely protective of their young. 
It also appears that there isn't just one of these high-speed orgies approaching the bubble, but three. The sounds being picked up on the FSS scans of the area are further believed to be mating calls, and indeed the sounds of funky alien sex. Sir David Attenborough, the 1300-year-old clone of the famous naturalist, has been hired to voice over the next season of Alien Planet and is eager to commentate in his husband tones about this bizarre ritual, the first of its kind to be witnessed in the galaxy. Of course, they could be wrong and canon just have dirty minds. And it is the fact that an alien invasion fleet, but we like their view of the galaxy as it is more badunkagunk than less pupil boom than everyone else's. What has been a very busy and disruptive period in Hutton space has come, hopefully, to a close. Unsurprisingly, the fortunes of one system with a small bust went up when it was relieved yesterday. More on that story coming up. In its regular spot at the bottom of the pile, but not by much, is Barnard's star up 37%. There are no conflicts pending in the system, so once again, make the most of this rare and brief opportunity to boost Hutton influence whilst it lasts. The point above it on 38 is Epsilon Indy, notoriously slow to move with its large population, still feeling the after-effects of the outbreak a month ago. Also recovering from last week's outbreak is Wolf 25, so thanks to commanders who shipped in meds, I hear it was a bit bonkers, or something I wasn't really paying attention. Also, another system with an adverse state hangover is Kakari on 39, which has just recovered from an infrastructure failure. So well done to those commanders that supplied resources to stop moving the script to bring that situation to an end. The CIA have drawn to within five points of Hutton in Trepin, but I've been told to stand easy as Commander Hanky is taking a break from his emperor and kinging duties and is on it. At last, this week, poor little Abic has finally had its small bust relieved and its fortunes are immediately on the up. At the overachieving end of the Hutton Systems table, we have six systems above 60%, all six of which are clustered between 66 and 68. We'll expand imminently, so keep an eye on our systems rosters to spot the new one and decide if it's worth sticking around, sticking up, or just sticky. Priorities this week are, if you want to chuck something, give Barnard Star a boost, or just deliver some more mugs and gin. We have received updates of three events this week. Does the sun still rise in the east in the east, east week 28? Nexus Initiative and Passage to Andromeda. Does the sun still rise in the east in the east week 28? Been another week and another waypoint here. I knew I was making great strides when the normal expanse region of space was hit. It is a huge area of the Milky Way, but according to the Codex, one I've never visited before. Very remiss of me. I'm struck by how strange it is 
to see stars in the sky again, and the centre of the galaxy is a large brown cloudy disk, now instead of a tear of light in the firmament. The place got my hopes up straight away with some rare geologicals in the form of nitrogen fumaroles and gazers, then placed a cherry on top with some even rarer fumarola nitrous, so it was a fantastic start to my exploration of this region of space. Other biologicals seem pretty mundane now, with the usual run of bacterium, fonticula and osseous frustratum, although I'm not looking forward to putting the cat out that left these bad boys. According to the expedition schedule, I'm only two weeks behind the calendar now, but will still have to get a wiggle on if I'm to make it back to Kojira by Halloween. I can't help getting sidetracked at times though. The DSSA King's Pass in the Nuclear RPM D161 system was a bit of a letdown as all the fun areas of the fleet carrier, bar, pioneer, weaponry and most importantly viscidonomics had all been closed due to staff shortage. Apparently 95% of the crew were taking shore leave on one of three. Yes, three Earth-like worlds in orbit around each other leaving a mere skeleton staff to run the essential services. Here's hoping I get to cash in all my fossicking. Oh well, until next week, TTFN 07. Nexus Initiative, at long last with the completion of the console transfers, the Nexus Initiative is proud to relaunch its mission into deep space exploration. Nexus carriers, after a long-awaited console transfers, are now preparing to launch Umbrani into the black once more. The Nexus Gary Hogan is expected to be rechristened by week's end and prepare for its maiden voyage into deep space. Several carriers, including the Nexus Nimrod, are expected to be ready for departure at a later date. Oh, you stop messing. Passage to Andromeda Kicking off imminently is the Passage to Andromeda expedition, which is described by the organisers as a celebration of and tribute to the exploration community of Elite itself. This is a unique adventure open to all commanders and one we won't see the likes of again. Join us for the launch on September the 18th in Lave for a journey through the history of Elite while t- paying tribute to you, the exploration community of Elite. This is a journey from the foundations of Commander Jameson's beginnings in the Lave system, Elite 1984, through the galaxy as visited by the vibrant multitude of Elite Dangerous expeditions that went before us. All the while continuing to explore, to blaze our own trail through the vast and unknown galaxy of ours. During the trip we shall encounter the ruins of the infamous Project Dynasty, the second bubble of Colonia, the community-built station from Distant Worlds 2 of Explorers Anchorage, via the renowned Beagle Point and many other breathtaking and significant places. Finally, our final destination is the closest start of the galactic neighbour of Andromeda. The logical jumping off point for any future expeditions seeking to cross these seemingly endless wastes of intergalactic space. 
This space is the mysterious Star One. We are in an inclusive expedition, so we are flying in PC groups, Horizons 3.8 and Odyssey 4, and for consoles, both PlayStation and Xbox are accommodated. The expedition will end with the passage to Andromeda, details of which will be available near the time. You can find us on EDSM to sign up. And the link is be posted in chat. Wow, seamless. Yeah. Wow. That was seamless. That was pretty good this week. Seamishless. <laughs> oh, yeah. A stitch here and there. Right. Oh. There were a couple, of, a couple of quarter seams there, but that's, yeah. I think it was a whole seam, was it? So there we go. So what are we all about? Seamless. Punctuation. <laughs> it needed punctuation. Why? Oh, you have to read it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I feel like that as well. If I'm the one that's reading it and I don't know what's missing, there's no need to add that in. No, it's just distracting like, seeing it anyway. being edited. <laughs> yeah, it's very distracting. Right. Even when it's three paragraphs down. Was there a Frontier live stream? Of course there was. There's always a Frontier live stream. No, there wasn't. No, <laughs> not this way. <laughs> so? I'm glad you're not the hunting prognosticator. Uh, uh, so, well, uh, he was going to be here, but he was delayed due to unforeseen circumstances. Oh! <laughs> oh. Uh, Jim, just point of note, you need a badum tish uh, sound on your... Yeah. Get an old... Get, buy, That'll do it. That'll do it. Get, get an old one from... <laughs> yes, I approve of that. Get an old one from Sean. So, what are we going to talk about? Space stuff. Oh, space! You know, at work a few years ago, I thought they'd enrolled me in astronaut programme. Because they said I was taking up space. <laughs> You're right. Um, I need a bedum tish. Yeah, is, is that is that airlock still open? Um, so, um, um, so press release from it was what was this? I was listening to the news. It must have been about three hours ago. Mars, Mars, um, mud. NASA were talking about Mars. Mud, and, mud, mud. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, sorry. So they were talking about, um, you know, that the name of that rover, Percy, um, Percy V. Rance. Yes. He's, uh, it is roaming around with zero crater. It's been a, been a year now, longer. It feels like Yeah, longer. yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, I've been talking about this for ages. Anyway, they've, um, they've been um, looking at what they've found and certain organic, sort of signatures that doesn't mean there's organic life yeah it's a, bit, it's a bit like saying i found some letters and i think there's a book out there um <laughs> but they found uh, clay minerals mud so mud is okay. is the thing that allows fossils to form so if there are fossils out there they, they're in the right place to look i like fossils fossils i like mud yeah wait till you see the fossils you've got in in galleries digest later oh goodness oh my god <laughs> yeah <coughs> Enough said. You'll find out others more yeah. more on that story later. So it's found stuff. Well, it's they, they they're sort of summarising what they found so far. So the collecting, obviously, as we know, um, perseverance is is sort of cacking out little samples. Oh yeah, it itself. Yeah, yeah. So there's a mission going to go collect the 
with a pooper scooper. Mm-hmm. Uh, not sure when it's fun it's, fact. Well, fossilized yeah. poop is called coprolites. Coprolite. Absolutely right. It's not actually poop. We, we <laughs> just say it. Well, not anymore. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, no. Perseverance. Poop, does it? <laughs> Fossilized poop. Yeah, fossilized. fossilized. Right. Okay. Fossil. I, I, I love. I love how <laughs> the, that I love hybrid discussion on Mars and geology. Oh, it turns the ship. Yeah. Coprolites. Oh, oh, yeah. We get distracted by a story about jobbies. So, <laughs> stop talking coprolite. Anyway, yeah. to, to to raise the tone somewhat. Um, that one last. It's so, a low bar. a bit of Um. Perseverance has an instrument, um, which is... Oh, no, no. you thought you said you were raising the tone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nah, never let the truth get away Has it been story. weaving its instrument around? It's been waving its instrument around. And do you know what the instrument's called? It, it's the Scanning Habitable Environments with a re- Raman and Luminescence for Organics and Chemicals, otherwise oh. known as... Sherlock! Sherlock. Yay. I had Luminous Raman once. It was really nice, but it gave me terrible ones. And, I mean, you can tell how I'm not making this up because Sherlock works in partnership with another instrument. And and what would would they call that? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Anyone? It's called Watson, Watson. which stands for the Wide Angle Topographic Sensors for Operations and Engineering. So someone... I don't know, but I think they make up the name first and then find what they <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So I just think somebody at NASA and JPL Caltech are just having too much fun at taxpayers' expense. Yeah. Whoever it was, they didn't do, whoever it was, they didn't do JPL or Caltech. Uh, I mean, you imagine the conversation going, yeah, we're going to call it this. No, you'll never get it. They'll never let you do that. Well, we're not going to tell them till it's up and then it's too late. <laughs> I'm surprised it's not called Scanner McScanner face. Oh, but he's probably got another another in- instrument called what's his uh, um, Mycroft. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, ah, uh, uh, we digress. Yes. So that's that's Mars. And if if you don't believe us, people, if, if you think if you think everything at Hutton Radio is made up, um, follow the links. I'm gonna paste oh, the yes, link it is. in the. In, oh no, it's not. He's a very naughty boy. If you don't yes. believe me, you can read the uh, article about it. I've just posted it's in the chat. All true. Anyway, Artemis One. Not now, do it later. Artemis One <laughs> still broken. Moving on. Well, actually, is it still broke? Well, I, it's yeah, uh, but it's yep. been fixed, which is a step. I know it's still broken technically. Yeah. If if it's oh. a binary world and it's still broken or not broken, is it being it's, fixed? It's in a transitional phase called being fixed. Yeah. Or is it just well, that the engineers are sat there sucking air through their teeth and going, yeah, got, it's going to be expensive. Uh, yeah. yeah, they've got the really expensive am, plumbers in there. Yeah, this, this, how, how long have you had this? It's 1998. You've still got the warranty. Yes, yeah. <laughs> That's all rockets are, plumbing. Yes, yeah, and, and you know how hard it is to get a plumber on short notice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there we go. Anyway. So what, what, what's happened this week? What's been going on? Console transfers happened this week. Oh, what, what do you get transfers? Oh, yes. are, they, are they still they stick on, or do you have to you know, <laughs> no, slide them off no, like a water? Like no, a... those are that would be console dabities. If you're Scottish, what? you know what that means. If you're not Scottish, it's, 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 it's Scottish for transfer. Yeah. <laughs> if you know, you know. Console transfer. Um, the transfer so, window opened, did it? 
It did. Yeah. And lots of people yeah. lots of people threw their Xbox accounts through it, uh, including me. Um, so when I went on, I had a wee look and people were saying, oh, it only took five minutes and ten minutes. But I think by the time I got to it, <laughs> everybody else had got to it as well. And it took, I would say, about five hours. Well, it'd be quicker to join mine. a certain queue, wouldn't it? Yeah. I just left it and went and watched TV instead. Uh, and came back later on that night, and it was it was done. And then I got to download the uh, the installer in the game, and that took another while, and it did that. <laughs> and then I decided, well, I'm not just going to play this game. I've got this, so I can have uh, Odyssey. So I bought Odyssey, and then it downloaded that. And then I get in. By the time I get in, it was about midnight, but it was worth it. You know, I get in, have a look about it, and went, yep, that's me. I've got my legs. I've got my gear, I've got my ships, I've got my money, I've got my rank, I've got all my stuff, <clears> and went, fabulous, now I'm going to go to bed. And I've, and I've used my monthly bandwidth so I can't play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, it was all very good. All very good. All yeah, seemed excellent. to work. It was a bit, took a long time, but nothing went wrong. Well, you know. Hang on, I'm trying to think what that's like. Um, well, many things in life, really. Um, bit like dinner or mm, carry on yeah and uh, of course the other thing that another thing that happened this week was last night in scotland we had a fireball across the sky or a mick fireball fireball do you know a how fireball? do you know how big that thing was how big was that thing what was it well i have a guess it was a it was a fireball that Lots of people kept it on their phones and dash cams and doorbell cams and every other bloody thing these days. That's got a camera on it. Yeah. How, how big it was? Yeah, 2.8 metres. No, it was, it, was, <laughs> it was about the size of a golf ball. No, it wasn't. It was 2.8 metres. Uh, was the, it a meteorite? The no. Man on, the man on, on the PM programme tonight said it was about the size of a golf ball. The man on the PM channel tonight or whatever tonight was, was not the person who spoke to the Guardian. They said <laughs> the gridiron. They said what did the gridiron say? Elon Musk's satellites deorbiting. Oh, good. Can can some more deorbit, please? So we yeah, some more will deorbit. They have a finite lifespan. So when they're on it, if you ever ever they tip themselves into the atmosphere and burn up, Great. and he probably fires another hundred. So not only do we have them crisscrossing the sky and spoiling everybody's astrophotography, we get fireballs as well. Yeah. God. It's not just them. There's there's other companies with satellites up there that it'll be just as bad. But yeah, they've got satellites. It's a uh, Elon Musk's whatever you call it, whatever that satellite cluster is. Starlink. Called. Starlink. <laughs> that's it. It's a Starlink satellite, and they reckon mm. that's about two point eight meters long. No, Star Starlinks aren't that big. They're tiny things. Could a grown up please post a link into the chat for me? McFireball. McFireball. Yeah. Or MC saw, Fireball. I saw Jim hovering all over it, over it. so I thought he'd done it. Yeah. I tried hovering over it, but it wouldn't let me place it. He's, uh, I thought I had. I'm working on it. There it goes. There it Excellent. goes. <laughs> it's on a so copy didn't catch. Been... Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I missed it because I was playing the Elite. Would you believe? <laughs> <laughs> I could have looked at the window and seen the real thing. I missed it as well because I live much further south. Yeah. But of course, it has to be said, the graphics are better than Elite, so. <laughs> what, looking out the window? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're all yeah, rendered in 3D as well. Yeah, what sort of frame rate do you get looking clean. out the window? Oh, frame rate, it depends on how many frames a minute do you blink? Well, with Windows, it's usually just one frame, isn't it? So. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, we need that Badoom Tish again. Right. Uh, I'm going to shut up now. Well, I mean, I think 3.8 and 4.0 upgrades, we did those today. That worked as well. Yeah. That um, brilliant. Yeah. I didn't note the time. It, what time did it come back up? About half past one, two o'clock, something like that? I have no idea. Sometime after lunch. Yeah. Mm. I can't remember now. It was a quick download, quick upgrade, boom, and it works. So what yeah. we're saying is that Frontier released console transfers and they worked. And now they've yeah. released 4.0 for the Horizons players and that works. Yeah. yeah. Does, that mean, does that mean that the salt shovelings in the forums are going to be shoveling salt and complaining about the fact that they've got nothing to complain about in the forums? Oh, well, well, they're all the to complain about. They've never run out of things to complain about. Let's, let's oh, I don't like the new map in 4. Oh, I don't like this. I don't like that. They're <laughs> playing 3.8. I don't like the color yeah, of the exactly. download button. Not, <laughs> only is, not only is the glass half empty, it's it's the wrong shape. And it's... Oh. <laughs> and it's, and it's and full it's of somebody full else's way. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say that. It's full of <laughs> And it's somebody who's had the asparagus and mm. oh, the captains. Oh. Right. We so. have, a, we have oh, another cool. mug winner this week. Do we? Yes. Is uh, it Gary Hogan? <laughs> this Didn't week it is. I did go to school with him. One time in dinner hall, he, he sneezed while he was uh, sucking his uh, milkshake down. We get banana milk on one side and strawberry on the other. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> this week, winner is... With... Drumroll. How, how many mugs? More than ten. I don't know. <laughs> Neil Wiley. Congratulations, Neil. Neil Wiley Coyote. So... Please let us know your details so we can send you a Hutton mug. Yay. And if you would like a Hutton mug... You so just have to deliver at least 10 mugs from gin in the space of one week with the Hutton Helper running. Yeah. And you could be in with the chance of being drawn out in next week's draw. And presently, awesome. presently uh, Neil is in... Oh, he's in chat. Oh, is he? Right, Excellent. Great. Anyway, Neil is in... Steel. Well done. Neil, Neil's in 45th place overall, so that's 45 out of 194. And he has so far delivered 136 mugs. So, given we've been going for what six weeks, we're entering the seventh week now. That's 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 a fair average, and I can't work it out because I've had too twenty much odd. <laughs> yeah, it's twenty-two, isn't it? Twenty, just coming up to twenty-three a week on average. That's, that's qualifying for a mug in my book. Anyway, mm-hmm. if. Um, Delivering as we speak, he says. If, uh, if Neil can send his details, so we know it's him too. I took part at HuntNobel.com. Um, we'll get his address, and uh, there's a mug already boxed up. We're yeah, no Spartacus, no Spartacus moments, please. It's got your name on it, but I've got your address on it because we don't know where it is. Yeah, and it, and it doesn't actually have your name on it. If, it doesn't matter. Yeah. If, well, if, if, that if is you, definitely in a box, though. If you want to type it in chat now, along with your bank account number and credit card expiry and your PIN number and, the, and, and your the CBC, CBC code, the CBC <laughs> lovely, thank you. <laughs> no, please don't. Right. don't anyway. Try don't try this at home. Shall we move on? I'll take a turn since you've done all the crap jokes so far. Get your balloon <laughs> ready. What are you trying to say? What I'm trying to say is 
Now, if Chuck Norris was a VARP, what kind of VARP would Chuck Norris be? A bad acting VARP? No. A bearded VARP? No. A homicidal VARP? A muscular VARP? Close, close. A badly-dressed VARP? No, never. You would never say this stuff to his face. Do you know why? Because he would be an art VARP. Artbark! Artbark! <laughs> and with that, we hand over to Florence with the CG News. It's Flossie. It's Flossie. It's Flossie. It's Flossie. And the community goes. Hello, Flossie here with this week's CG News. Although there were no new CGs last Thursday, three new ones started on Monday. Defend 42 and Percy, Chun Pindit and Teki Yell from Thargoid Attack. Swarms of Thargoid vessels have invaded the 42 and Percy, Chun Pindit and Techijal systems in apparently coordinated attacks. Vox Galactica published this report by field correspondent Ernesto Rios. Since the Thargoids conquered HIP 22460 a month ago, their presence has gradually expanded in all directions. But these are the first inhabited systems to be invaded since the Proteus Wave incident, threatening a combined population of over 7 million people. Defensive operations are being orchestrated by Sirius Inc. from the Starport Bennington's Rest in the 42N Percy system, Psy Terraforming from the Starport Semuda Terminal in the Chun Pindit system, and Tekit Yao. Public Corporation from the Starport Ryman Colony and the Techiel system. Thargoid combat bonds can be handed in at these locations for increased credit rewards. The first part of the campaign began, began on the 12th of September and will run until further notice. If the final target is met earlier than planned, the situation will be reassessed. To earn rewards, you must sign up as an active participant before handing in Pilots Federation combat bonds at Bennington's Rest in the 42N Percy system, Samud Terminal in the Chun Pindit system, or Ryman Colony in the Techiyang system. And that's it for this week's City News. And now, bearing down on us like two rogue signal sources from the depths of space, it's Thargoid Jude and Wathergoid with the Galnet News, Galnet News Digest. i 
Galnet News Digest, 15th of September, 3308. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, we review what we know about the events following the firing of the Proteus wave. We discuss the peace movement, we consider three moving stars, and we also review the mad ramblings of a tinfoil hat wearer and what it might imply for the future. The mainstream media have been alerted to the existence of a video that plays every time commanders log in to their ship computers, unless they press escape to skip, which, to be honest, most of them do by now. This video shows the events that took place during and just after the firing of Salvation's Proteus Wave weapon. In simplified terms, Salvation detonated the Proteus Wave, an equal and opposite detonation of something else in the Thargoid's structure fired a minute or so later. The Thargoids came back to life with new superpowers and destroyed everything human in the system. At the end of the video, there's a strange sound that some in the less-than-mainstream media have called the Thargoid Roar. Various nutty professors have offered explanations. In ascending order of credibility, Professor Seamus Madigan reckons it might just be a residual echo of the energy pulse from the site of the Proteus wave. Dr. Jiang Huixin thinks it might be a rapid and urgent burst of communication, perhaps an SOS signal. And speaking aboard the Testament... The first apostle of the true chapters explained that the sound was the sound of the far God calling the faithful, and that something that the Thargoids might think of as a God, something to which the Thargoids are pale heraldic shadows, is coming to destroy the universe and liberate the far God faithful, and everyone else for that matter, from the misery of life. The far God is about to become manifest. The First Apostle's explanation sounds by far the most convincing. With the Thargoids expanding their area of controlled territory out from HIP-22460 and with the recent invasion of three lightly inhabited systems on the edge of the bubble, the superpowers have had to explain to their citizens that there's nothing to worry about. Everything is under control. In fact, it's so under control that the Federation has deployed a number of Farragut battlecruisers into systems where they have no right to be. Given that there's not actually an incursion, and given that no stations have been attacked, there is a question over what those battleships are doing there. Still, the fireworks are pretty to watch. The mainstream media is talking up war with the Thargoids, according to the rapidly growing Xeno Peace Movement. The Thargoid Advocacy Project, which believes that the only way to end the current conflict is by dialogue with the Thargoids, has claimed that the current apparently aggressive behaviour being exhibited by the Thargoids can be attributed entirely to defensive behaviour, and that the media's focus on Thargoids fighting in AX conflict zones is a blinkered view of these complex and intelligent creatures. Activist Timothy Culver explained that the Thargoids lived in the Pleiades, Witchhead, California and Colsac regions long before humans moved in to steal the Thargoid meta-alloys. When the Thargoids tried to defend their lands, they were slaughtered in their thousands by the invading humans. 
Culver believes that the recent invasion by Thargoids of the two N. Percy, Chun Pindit, and Tikidjil systems are peaceful reprisals for Salvation's Proteus Wave weapon of mass xenocide, which has built inside what many believe to be a crashed Thargoid hive ship. The Proteus Wave is the second attempt humanity has made to destroy the Thargoids. The Thargoids have never attempted to wipe out humanity. Culver says that the Thargoids may be using warfare to communicate with humanity in the only way humanity understands. A bit like mime or interpretative dance, but with guns. The three unidentified interstellar anomalies, also known as Stargoids, but which we all know are really the Thargoids' death stars, or, if you're a Fargod adherent, the personification of your deity, continue to advance slowly towards the human bubble. After a few days of being dim, they're once again bright and visible from several hundred light-years. They also get brighter when there's something bright in front of them. No one knows why, but it makes for prettier pictures. Current locations are Call 69 Sector JG-WC2-0, Uchost DW-T D4-7, and Sleggy DS-E B56-0, all some way south of Barnard's Loop. At the moment, they're taking their time travelling slowly, but we already know they can speed up spectacularly when they want to. The mainstream media has described these objects as flares and has suggested that a swirly, shiny thing of enormous size making its way purposefully through the galaxy while making noises in the FSS that sound uncannily like the sound of Thargoid scavengers may just be three perfectly natural phenomena that just happen never to have been seen before, anywhere, ever. That's it for now. Thanks very much for watching. We'll be back later this week with more videos. Like and subscribe. Until then, 07 Commanders, follow the Greens on the way out and do keep clear of the toast rack. We very much look forward to seeing you next time. you, Commanders Thargoljude and Wothergoid. Now, as usual, it's time to find out who has excelled at what from Mia Harkness. It's time... wait for it... for the Hunt Helper results! Welcome to the Hutton Helper Results. The Hutton Helper Results are sponsored by the Hutton Helper B only. Third party resource to come with a free swan sandwich in case you get the royal munchies. This week we have the following events. The proclamation at the end of the Galaxy Cup. The T9 full of Union Jack Bunting. Again, Deja Vu Trophy. The On Her Majesty's Secret Service Mission Challenge. The Detained at Her Majesty's Pleasure Charity Shield the Royal Guard of Honour Award and the Driving a Land Rover SRV Across the Countryside Challenge. So, no acts of treason, you scum. You only have one true liege lord and never throw a bookie at a royal funeral. 
the hot and helper results are Comet Bomb jumped 105,000 light years to become first in distance travelled. Colby Bear sold 78,000 tonnes of cargo. Overlight is our top mission runner with 280 mission points. Captain MD handed in 149 million credits worth bounties. Flo 5 Tate, I think that's Flo State really, handed in 503 million credits of combat bonds. And Red Ass Tomes delivered 526 people to their various destinations. So, decals this week for Colby Bear, Flow State, Red Ass Tomes, and Stephen Gift for. I don't know what. Please email I took part at unorbital.com and race collect your hut and detail kit, which this week consists of a bemused corgi, a crown, and a big hut and orbital by appointment sticker. There have been 29 hut and runs in the last seven days. The top five times are Impala Mark, again, with one hour, 22 minutes and 59 seconds. Manu Warkle, again, with one hour, 23 minutes and 37 seconds. Next is Jintosh, with one hour, 24 minutes and 4 seconds. Steve B, with one hour, 24 minutes and 8 seconds and Norbert Patinod with 1 hour 24 minutes and 10 seconds. Chixie's personal best of 1 hour 24 minutes and 14 seconds. He's no idea how to knock 2 minutes off of that. Uh, go faster. Quite a lot faster. There's a whole galaxy of stuff out there needing sniffed, snuffled, postponed, hidden from, flipped, mistranslated to from Spanish, chilled, mugged, gymmed, shipped, short, rescued, looted, Repaired, destroyed, bought, sold, squeezed, inflated, bumped, frozen, liquidated, evaporated, sandblasted, sponged down, smelled, licked, extruded, discombobulated, recombobulated, pilfered, rubbed, compressed, enveloped, siphoned, regurgitated, strained, fermented, poached, interrobanged, upcycled, violently downcycled, smelted, roboticized, and probated. And you can earn yourself a very fetching hut and decal for doing it. To get involved, you just have to go to hot.forthemark.com and download or sign up for the spectacular Hut and Helper, available in three exciting formats. Let's face it, anything has to be better than queuing for a week to see the new king and he goes a different way. Anyway, that's it for this week. Back to the studio. Amelia. Now Amelia is going to tell us about something um, wet and phallic. It's time for this week's Galnet Rares Digest. Good evening. This is Amelia Hawke reporting for the Galnet Rares Digest. We try all the galaxy's rarest and most dangerous commodities. So you don't have to. Never let it be said that the Galnet Rares Digest steers away from controversial commodities. After all, we've tried some of the least ethically sourced things in the galaxy. We've seen creatures hunted and exploited, native flora and fauna changed beyond recognition by science, eaten things that 
really should be saved and, well, generally explored and examined the ongoing exploitation of the natural universe by humanity. Sometimes, though, the rares are about humanity exploiting each other. Okay, yes, I know there was that one rare that I'm pretty sure used the secretions of a whole station's population to sell to the public at exorbitant prices. But this one seems to be aimed at the terminally gullible. Whether that's the people who sell the items, who are undoubtedly rich as a result, or those who buy them. Well, that remains to be seen. In terms of gullible, there are two locations in the galaxy that are infamous for convincing people to travel awfully long ways. First, of course, there's Hutton Orbital, which at twenty at zero, uh, at zero point two two light years away from the jump point over in Alpha Centauri, well, it's a heck of a long way to go for anything. But Hutton, despite not having a shipyard or selling limpets or having a large docking pad, it does have at least two interesting rares. And there are no free anacondas. Trust me on this one, I've tried. I've been told there are 100 credits, but I refer, to, refer you to my previous statement about people being easily taken in. Second to Hutton, though, and far less well-known, is Katzenstein Dock in 36 Ophiuchi. At only 0.14 light-years from the arrival point, it's comfortably half the travel time that Hutton is, with no sneaky second suns in the way, with big gravity wells. And it also has rare Ophiuch Exeno Artifacts. What makes 36 Ophiuchi more interesting than Alpha Centauri is that the third star, despite being a long way away, has two water worlds orbiting it. And it's on both of these water worlds that the artifacts can be found. Or so the marketing tells me. Both planets are regularly ravaged by huge storms and, as water worlds, only have very small atolls of land dotted across their globes. Volcanic in nature and subject to some brutal weathering, these atolls are the site of some truly spectacular natural stone sculptures. The volcanism on the water worlds throws and thrusts molten rock up through the oceans, which as it cools, twists, turns and rides as the sea boils. It doesn't do this in huge explosions or in the kind of massive eruption that creates places like Hawaii. It does it through tiny cracks in the crust of the planet, letting the molten rock seep up in slender columns. When the towers reach the surface of the ocean, they continue to grow, and the violent windstorms warp the cooling rock into astonishing shapes. Looking at pictures of the tectonic plate margins of the planet, they are quite literally littered with what can only be described as modern abstract art. Stonemasons and artists could quite literally cry at the sight of natural stone formations that make their own handiwork look, well, frankly shabby. The Ophiuchians have turned these natural formations into a thriving market for art buyers. And as the planets are naturally active and are likely to be for a really long time, it's just a case of grab rock, sell rock, 
profit. It's just about the only place in the galaxy that still uses Moray starboats, most of which are battered and patched and, well, uh, to be honest, I'm not surprised. Harvesting Ophiuchic Xeno artifacts is a dangerous pastime. If the water doesn't get you, the storms will. If the wind doesn't smash you into a cool-looking bit of rock, well, the cool-looking bits of rock will quite literally jump out of the water and spear your ship. And then the wind will get you. Then the water. And, and, and probably when you've sunk far enough, the rock will get you. Or the pressure. That said, they've got an endless supply of them. Fly down, grab a rock, fly to the station, stick it in an art auction, invite some very rich and incredibly gullible imperial types who want to adorn their summer palace, or or a federal multi-gazillionaire who wants one in the foyer of her new corporate headquarters, and, well, walk off with enough cash to buy yourself a spaceship. The local government limits the supply, mainly so they can get the starboats repaired between sessions. Partly because they're drunk from the profits and, well, of course, so they appear to be rare things. Mind you, I've, I've seen warehouses full of these natural sculptures. Oh, oh, did I mention most of them look very rude? I mean, like, very rude. I don't have to paint you a picture, but the vast majority of them look like someone's undercarriage had an accident with an electric whisk. Anyway... This is Amelia Hawke reporting for the Galnet News Digest. And I've just seen a pop star part with a five-figure sum for a bit of rock that, uh, to all intents and purposes, looks like a wiener. rock <laughs> thank you amelia <laughs> you're welcome so was was that a case of a uh, rock cock buys cock rock <laughs> it wasn't bell end of carlisle was it oh oh my god, god. Oh. oh oh no they never stop they just they never they never stop <laughs> oh i feel sick that was a really <laughs> cheesy joke that one. Mm. Oh, oh my god so was that one. <laughs> I aim to please. <clears throat> yeah. Quite often oh, you fall far short of the map. As long as you yeah, aim to get in that. the bowl, that's enough. Yeah. It's all about the aiming, though, is it? Oh. <laughs> so, giant penis-shaped rocks in Amelia. <laughs> yep. 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 Big wieners. Big wieners. Did you get yourself one? I didn't, know. Oh. They're very expensive. They're not mm. fossilized. They're not. No, they're not. They're not coprolites. No. I bet you. Uh, I bet oh, you feel the I'm going to make it. <laughs> I'm going to make it a quest to get a coprolite shaped like a penis. You have to call it a coprolite. A coprolite. Oh, I want a coprolite yeah. in my collection. <laughs> Dear me. Yeah, that's not what I thought you were going with that. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> depends on which collection. Uh, 
Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> right. Um, on that note, <laughs> do, we, do we have anything we want to add? We... Just the one thing. Yeah, but yeah, just a second. Just a second. Be? Warn the listener. For the mug! For the mug! For the mug! mug. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody warned the listener. <laughs>